some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Do you know that the Bible teaches that two groups of people can preach the same Christ with two different attitudes? There could be somebody with envy and strife, and there could be somebody with goodwill. Look at verse 16. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, but supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of what? Love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Christ is not. The gospel is not of contention, although we need to contend for faith. It's, what are we preaching? Our hearts should be filled with what? The love of Christ. Love of Christ. Why am I saying this in an introductory message to Old Testament salvation? I'm saying that because we don't want to just fight and bicker with the brethren all the time about matters that, honestly, aren't going to affect our salvation or the people that we're going to talk to about salvation, right? Let's be let's be quick to have our hearts full with love. Okay, let's go to Acts thirteen. With that said, Acts chapter thirteen. And let's look at what the New Testament has to say about the law in the Old Testament. And whether, it, whether or not it could save someone by keeping it in the Old Testament times. Let's see what the New Testament says about it. Acts chapter 13, look at verse, uh, well, let's start at verse 15. And after a reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word or exhortation for the people, stay on. Man, they opened up the floor. And here comes Paul. You know what he says? Verse number 16. He says, men of Israel that fear God, give audience. Pretty clear who he's speaking to. The Jewish audience. Watch what it says in verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. Paul is starting to give a history lesson to Jewish brethren. And watch what he says as he goes on in verse number 18. Forty years in the wilderness. Look at verse number 19. Uh, at the end of the verse, he says, He divided their land to them by lot. Who, who is God? Who is Paul speaking about? under God's Holy Spirit, inspired him to write Israel, his, his brethren according to the flesh. He goes on. Watch what happens in, in, in verse number 20. He's talking about, he gave unto them judges. The nation got judges. Look at verse uh, number uh, 21. Uh, and afterward, they desired a king. And so they got, they got Saul. And then in verse 22, who did they get? They got David. That's all about the nation. Go all the way down to verse number 24. 
when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to who? All the people of Israel. Look at verse 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. Look at verse 27. You've got uh, nor yet the voices of the prophets. You get down to verse number 34, and he says, I will give you the sure mercies of David. And when I, when I have time to get here tonight, you look back to Isaiah 55, the first three verses. This verse here in Acts looks back to that Isaiah prophecy where the mercies of David are pictured here concerning New Testament salvation. A little bit of a side uh, thought, but here's what I wanted to get to. We said all of that to say Paul is laying a foundation of the history of the nation of Israel who God gave the law. We got that part? We got that in our head. Okay. Look at verse number 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, that's Jesus Christ, and by him, that would be Jesus Christ, all that believe are justified from all things, watch how it ends, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Did the law in the Old Testament justify those Jews before God? It did not. It did not. He gave the history of the nation. And he closes out his little history lesson with, the law couldn't justify you. Go to Acts chapter number 15. Watch what it says in verse 5. All right, you got a disputation here, and then they, they, they're going to bring it up. And, and, and verse number five, let, let's just read it. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Seems pretty typical of a Pharisee, right? You've got to keep this outward law. You read some more verses, you get down to verse number 10, watch what it says. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You know what they all agreed at this little council? Nobody could bear it. Nobody could keep it. They all agreed with that. We couldn't, and our fathers couldn't bear it. So why are you bringing it up now and trying to put this bondage on us to bear something that historically we were never able to bear? Make sense? That part? Go to James 2. I want you to see it in the Bible. 
because we have a tendency to think, and maybe not we in this room, just Christians in general, may have a tendency to think, well, the Jews in the Old Testament were saved by works, by keeping the law. But on the same thought, they would agree that, yeah, nobody really kept it. But, you know, the Jews probably kept 80% of it. Well, if they didn't keep 80% of it, they probably kept at least more than half. In other words, they did it more than they didn't do it. But what does James say very clearly to answer that type of question? Look at verse 10 in chapter 2. James 2, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, that would be Jews in the Old Testament, and yet offend in one point, that would be Jews in the Old Testament. He is guilty of what? Oh, that would be who? Jews in the Old Testament and everybody else. Look at verse number 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Matter of fact, look at verse number nine, the verse before, uh, verse 10. Imagine that. Nine comes before 10. But if you have respect of persons, uh, two persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Historically speaking, the New Testament speaks to the fact that when they look back, nobody was able to bear it. And nobody kept it. And if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Keep coming forward. Let's go to Romans. Look at chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Let's learn some other things about what the New Testament specifically says about the law. Verse 20 in Romans 3. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. That would be God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Very simply and very plainly, the law cannot do what? Justify you. Before who? God. It can't. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The New Testament is saying that the Old Testament prophets said that the law couldn't justify you either. <laughs> They're in on it, trying to get everybody to understand. It's not through the law. You, The righteousness of God comes without the law. Verse 21 is telling us that the Old Testament prophet says you couldn't get righteousness by the law. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all upon all, them that believe there is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, he paid for all the sins, his payment is full, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. How did God deal with all of the sins committed before he went to the cross? Romans 3.25 tells us through his forbearance. Do you see that? His, uh, the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So prior to the cross, God withheld their sentence because of his forbearance. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Unless you want or you think or someone has convinced you to want or think. That when we get to heaven, there's two groups of people. You've got a little cluster of people over here that were able to keep the law. And then you have some people over here from the New Testament that were saved by grace. But Romans 3, 26, uh, 27, and 28 says, there is not going to be any boasting. Nobody's able to bear it. Justification cannot come through the law. That's what we see in Romans. So what does the New Testament tell us about the law in Romans 3? It cannot justify. It cannot. Go to Galatians. And get chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 16. Knowing, Galatians 2, 16, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Hallelujah. That's a great verse. We are not justified. And look at the last verse. 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by what? The law then Christ is dead in vain. Romans 3, the law couldn't justify you. Galatians 2, what did we read in six, verse 16? The same thing. And in verse 21, it says, what else can't the law bring us? Righteousness. We can't be justified by it. We can't receive God's righteousness by keeping it. 
This is what the New Testament says about the Old Testament law. Look at chapter 3 of Galatians 3. Look at verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come that would be Jesus Christ. To whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one. But God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God. God forbid. Here's the key tie-in to the end of this thought. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, it's a look back to the Old Testament law. Verily, righteousness should have been by the what? Law. But apparently, not only can the law not justify you by God, before God, not only can it not make you righteous before God, it cannot give life. Do you have eternal life? I do. You didn't get it by keeping laws. And it's pointing back and saying, you know what? In the Old Testament, it didn't give life either. I have some questions still about it. Okay, we're going to try to answer all of them over the next couple of weeks. Some of them do not. We need to get moving to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews 7. Look at verse 11. Hebrews 7, verse number 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. For under it the people received the law. What further need was there. That another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek. And not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed. There is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken. Pertaineth to another tribe. Of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Reading Hebrews 7, these verses, 11, 12, and 13. Do you see the look back? It's in the New Testament looking back. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah... Of which tribe Moses spake, spake nothing concerning the priesthood. See how it's looking back? And it is yet far more evident. For that after the similitude of Melchizedek. There ariseth another priest. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment. But after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth thou art a priest. Forever after the order of Melchizedek. You read all those verses to say well, you got another look back. Now look at verse 18. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment. 
going before the weaknesses of the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. You had a law given to a group of people that was weak and unprofitable. Verse 19. What does it say? For the law made nothing wrong. Perfect. You couldn't be justified by it. You couldn't be made righteous by it. It couldn't give you life. And it made nothing perfect. But the bringing of a, of a better hope did. By the which we draw nigh unto God. See that? No righteousness, no justification, no life, nothing's perfect. Go to Hebrews 9. We'll see it again. Verse number 6. Hebrews 9, we'll start at verse 6. Oh, she said, now when these things were thus ordained, what are the things? The sacrifices um, were thus ordained. The priests who were doing these sacrifices, who were ordained by the law, went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. They are serving in the order that priests would serve based on the laws given by God. That's what they were doing as the New Testament looks back into the Old Testament. Uh, verse number seven, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Holy Ghost, this signifies. But the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. You see all that look back? All of its New Testament looking back at Old Testament. And watch that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. It made nothing perfect. It couldn't. So what couldn't the law do? It couldn't bring righteousness. It couldn't justify you. It couldn't give you life. And it couldn't make you perfect. And all of it's looking back at the law. New Testament old. Last verse in Hebrews. Go to chapter 10. And we'll read verses 1 through 4. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. See again a glimpse back. And not the very image of the things. Can never with these sacrifices. Which they offered year by year continually. Make the comers there unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshippers once purged. Should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices. There is a remembrance again made of sins. 
every year. I'm going to touch on this at the end of the message. I'll just briefly say something now. Every time they did it, they had to remember again that they were one. They had to. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. It couldn't justify you. It couldn't make you righteous. It couldn't give you life. It couldn't make you perfect. And Hebrews 10, verse number four says, it could not take away sins. We said a lot with a lot of Bible. You really think somebody got saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law? It couldn't justify, couldn't make right, couldn't give life, couldn't give peace. And couldn't take away their sin. I don't think so. So why the law? Why give? That's the important question. To tie in the thoughts we just did. It governed that nation. And it governed the individuals of that nation. And you know what the law never gave? It never gave as a penalty for breaking it. I can't find it anywhere in the Old Testament. That if you broke the law, the penalty was eternal hellfire for your soul. It's not there. You also can't find a verse in the Old Testament that says the blessing for keeping the law was eternal life for your soul in heaven with the Lord. So why the law? It's going to govern the land. National. It's, it's going to be national governments and individual government. Let, let's go back. Go to back to Exodus because I want you to just read it. We'll we'll get into it by. <laughs> you didn't keep the law. Go to Exodus twenty-one. If you didn't keep the law, you either lost land as a nation or you were put to death as an individual. Now that sounds harsh, but. It's better than your soul going to hell, isn't it? When you disobeyed the law, you didn't lose your soul and go to hell. You lost your life physically, not your soul spiritually. Exodus chapter 21. I want you to get a hold of this. Look at verse 12. He that smiteth a man, verse number uh, Exodus 21, verse number 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. You weren't allowed to do that. So if you did do that, you were given the death sentence and you died physically. All these verses we're going to read, none of them have to do with your soul. It all has to do with your physical life being lost. See it? You broke a commandment. Your soul doesn't go to hell. You die. 
Is that what it says? Look at verse 16. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to what? Death. Look at verse, look at the next one. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Do you know some children that curse their parents? That's an awful command to break. Do you think all the kids broke that command? What happened? You have a lot of death. People breaking that commandment. These are pretty harsh judgments set before this nation. But they lost physical life. Is there an aspect of the law that calls those Old Testament Jews to have broken relationship with the Lord? Yes. But you have to make salvation by works if you say that this, that these, that the breaking of these laws and commandments sent their soul to hell. You would have to make it salvation by works. Meaning you had to keep all of the law in order to get to heaven. And that's not how it worked. Look at verses 22, or chapter 22. Exodus 22, verse, uh, verse number 19. Exodus 22. Verse number 19. Whosoever lieth with the beast shall surely be put to death. He that sacrificeth unto any god, save unto the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Remember we talked about, well, we'll get to it in a minute, and I'll hold the thought till then. But go next, go to Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter number 20. Anybody glad you don't live in the Old Testament? Leviticus chapter number 20, verse number 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. If that were the case for salvation, you would have half this professing evangelical community today be put to death. Because they say that the divorce rate among Christians is as high as the divorce rate amongst the world, amongst non-Christians. Back in Leviticus, what did they lose? Their life. They lost their physical life. Deuteronomy 13 It says in verse 5, we read a little bit of this last week. Um, and, the, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, Deuteronomy 13, 5. 
shall be put to death. Deuteronomy 13 verse 5. Because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God. Remember we were talking about how Paul, he was what? Issuing threatenings and slaughters. And he was persecuting Christians. Why? You know, he thought that what he was doing was right. And he thought those Christians were trying to get his people to go after other gods. And so he went after them. He thought he was following the law. But he wasn't. wasn't. But if you did that back in the Old Testament, your life would be taken. Your physical life. Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22. Look at verse 24. Then you shall bring them both. Uh, well, verse 23. If a damsel that is virgin be betrothed unto an husband and the man find her in the city and lie with her, then you shall bring them both out of the gate of the city and you shall stone them with stones that they die. Man, good night. That's awful. That's what happened. Let me tie this into the New Testament. What does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is what? You know what happens to all of us physically because of sin? We die. Yeah, we can look back at the Old Testament and say every time, well, one, nobody kept it 100%. They couldn't bear it. Number two, there were specific things that God said, there's going to be a death penalty if you do that. But now, but we all have a death penalty because we've all sinned. We're all going to die physically because of sin. It's just nobody's taking us down to the courthouse for a stone. Okay? Stay in Deuteronomy, go to chapter 30. Well, I'm not sure if I agree with all that. Okay. Then look, let's look at the other side of it and see what the blessing was if you kept the law. Deuteronomy chapter 30. What reward did you earn as an Old Testament Jew if you kept the law? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Look at verse number 15. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Watch what the nation receives. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways. And to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that thou mayest have eternal life in heaven. Not what it said. The blessing that they got was that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee where? In the what? Land. Whither thou goest to possess it. When you kept the statutes and the judgments in the land, God gave you land and he let you live longer. 
Everybody see, that was the blessing for obeying. One of them. But if thine heart turn away, so thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish. How? Physically. How do you know that? And that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. What did you want as an Old Testament Jew? To live and multiply so that your seed would be able to go on and you would have that legacy and you would have that that's how they were blessed. The last verse in here. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days. That they mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Do you see anything held out by God that says they were offered eternal life for their soul if they kept the law? No, it's not there. Deuteronomy, go back to chapter seven and let's look at what the, what the reward was for an individual. So many of them were just looking at a few. Watch what the individual was rewarded with if they kept God's laws, commands, statutes. Deuteronomy 7, uh, verse, okay, verse 11. Deuteronomy 7, 11. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. Watch this. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb. You don't have that today. You cannot scripturally say that if a woman has a barren womb, that she has disobeyed God. Do we understand this? But in the Old Testament to that nation, you could. You could say that in the Old Testament. And they're not obeying. But when they did obey, God blessed the womb. And the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the increase of thy kind, that's cows, and the flocks of thy sheep, and the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. If we have a bad year this year, and lambing season comes, and nobody, re all the used were barren, 
I hope nobody knocks on my door and says, you ain't right with God. Someone tries to get into to cattle and it don't work out. I hope no one goes and knocks on his door and says, your family must not be right with God. But in the Old Testament, those rewards were there. It was a blessing that God gave to those individuals for keeping in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female, watch what it says, barren among you or among your cattle. Are we getting this? Now, I got to say this because there are groups out there that think their spirituality comes from having 20 kids. It doesn't come from having 20 kids. You took a verse from the Old Testament and you tried to apply it not only to the New Testament, but to you as, and you're not a Jew. Not only you're not a Jew, you're not a Jew under the Mosaic law. Is the fruit of the, of, of the womb his reward? It is his reward. But specifically in the Old Testament, when you obeyed his commands and statutes, God blessed the womb of the females and of the female in the livestock. And you had replenishment. You had multiplication of all of that. And the Lord, watch this, verse 15, Deuteronomy 7. You're keeping statutes and commands of the Lord. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. You mean COVID-19? <laughs> Back then. And will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Somebody got sick back in the Old Testament. Brother, what sin are you into? Sister, what sin are you into? But not now. Do we see those blessings? All right, let's start to wrap up here. I know it's a lot of Bible, a lot of Bible. The nation as a whole and the individuals that lived in that nation enjoyed material blessings from God. Praise the Lord. But every year, every month, every week, every day, they were reminded. You know, I don't keep the law. Now, another sacrifice. And every time they did a sacrifice, by default, you know what's in their heart? We can't keep the law. You shoot one or two deers a year and you harvest that animal and you get food out of it and 
You know how much work that is. Imagine having to do these sacrifices over and over again with all of the detail. That reminds you, oh, I got to do that again. I got to do that again because of sin. You're all you're constantly being reminded that you cannot keep the law, even as a Jew who was given the law by God. Always reminded they're a sinner before a holy God. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. When Paul said, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Paul lived physically. He died. He's talking about that's got to be spiritual death. The law defines sin, but it not only defines sin. It's not in a vague definition. It's in a it's in very specific terms. And the, and the law shows us the, the same way it showed a Jew. They can't keep it. They're constantly reminded. It shows us. It shows us. We have fallen. We've all fallen short too. So the law comes in and schools us. And in many ways, you can say the same thing. It's a schoolmaster to those Jews in the Old Testament. Because as they have to do it over and over again, they're getting schooled and reminded again. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner. But it's designed to define sin as a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Okay. That'll be it for tonight. But that's the introduction to, we're going to start unpacking Old Testament salvation. Tonight was just a lesson to see what the New Testament says concerning whether or not the law could justify you, could make you righteous, could make you perfect or could take away your sins. And we saw that it couldn't. Also, it shows that in the Old Testament, it never promised the blessing of eternal life for your soul, only material prosperity on earth and the land. And the penalty for breaking the law was not eternal hellfire for your soul forever separated from God. It was physical death, sickness, a barren womb, all the stuff that we read. 